So the gospel this morning is in uh, the third chapter of John, beginning at verse 1. John says, Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen, yet you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness... So must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. The gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Glory to you, Lord Christ. So this Jewish leader Nicodemus, a member of the Sanhedrin, which is a a uh, 70-man... It's something akin to our Supreme Court... So this is a very important man. And he seeks Jesus out, coming to him under the veil of night, under the cover of darkness. And his purpose is to have a theological discussion with Jesus. Coming to Jesus at night, as John writes, is significant. If we look back at the first chapter of John in uh, verses 4 and 5, John says, In him, Jesus, was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. So John uses this light and dark to describe these forces that are in opposition to one another. 
Darkness is the realm of Satan, of evil, of doubt, of unbelief. Whereas light is truth and understanding and righteousness and godliness. So you see these things are in opposition to one another. So Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night. In other words, he comes to him in a state of doubt and unbelief. And he is seeking really what we all seek. And that is truth and light. And so the dialogue between them begins as Nicodemus says to Jesus, Rabbi, we all know you're a teacher straight from God. No one could do all of this stuff that you're doing, this God-pointing, God-revealing acts that you do if God weren't a part of it. And Jesus tells him, you're right. You are absolutely right. Take it from me. Unless a person is born from above, some versions say born again, it's not possible to see what I'm pointing to, which is the kingdom of God. So this is the the opening of their discussion. Nicodemus doesn't understand what Jesus is saying about being born from above, about being born again. Because his understanding is limited, like many people's, to that of physical birth. He says, how can anyone be born who is already born and grown up? You can't re-enter your mother's womb Jesus and be born again. What are you saying with this born from above, born again talk? I don't understand. And so Jesus tries again. He says, you're not listening. Let me say it again. Unless a person submits to the original creation, that wind hovering over the water creation that It talks about in Genesis, the invisible moving the visible, a baptism into new life. Unless you believe in that, it's not possible for you to enter God's kingdom. He tells him, you know, when you look at a baby, it's just it's just that it's it's a body you can look at and touch. But the person that takes shape within that body is formed by something that you can't see and you can't touch. It's spirit, the spirit, which becomes in the child a living spirit, small s. So Jesus says, don't be surprised when I tell you that you have to be born again, born from above. You have to be born out of this world, so to speak. And then he gives him this illustration about the wind. He says, you know well enough how the wind blows this way and that. You hear the rustling in the trees, but you have no idea where it comes from or where it's headed next. That's the way it is with everyone who's born from above, born by the wind of God, inspired by the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, inspired, breathed in the life into the each individual person as a believer. So Jesus tells Nicodemus that being born from above requires this fundamental shift in identity. 
It's a transformation from being a person of the world, a person of the fall, a person of sin, transformed to a person of the original design of God, a person in step with the Holy Spirit, a person dead to the old self, but born anew into the new creation of Jesus Christ. Poor old Nicodemus is still confused. What do you mean by this, he says? How does that happen? I think Jesus is having a facepalm moment right about now. You know, uh, Nicodemus. Okay. You're a respected teacher of Israel and you don't know even these basics. So he tries one more time. Isn't it amazing how patient our Lord and Savior is with us? How many times, I wonder, has he sat there at the right hand of God with his head in his hands going, Pastor Stephen. He says, listen carefully, Nicodemus. I'm speaking sober truth to you now. I speak only of what I know by experience. I give witness only to what I have seen with my own eyes. There is nothing second hand here. This isn't hearsay. What I'm telling you now is the truth. Yet instead of facing the evidence that I've given you and accepting it, you're a procrastinator. You keep asking all these questions. Refusing to believe what I've told you. If I, if I tell you these things that are plain as the hand before your face and you don't believe me, what use is there in telling you of things that you can't see, the things of God? See, Nicodemus is too immersed in academia. He's too in his head. He's too intellectual. He's unable to apply his earthly learning to the spiritual questions at hand. So he just doesn't try to get into the realm of the spiritual that Jesus is talking about. And so Jesus lays out the born again process, the salvation discourse it's called. He lays it out for Nicodemus. He says, I'm going to use the message version for this because I think it's a little clearer. No one has ever gone up into the presence of God except for the one who came down from that presence. That's me. That's Jesus, the Son of Man. And in the same way that Moses lifted the serpent in the desert so the people could have something to see and then believe, if you remember the story, he wraps the serpent around the pole and those that were able to touch the serpent were healed of the snake bites that they were tormented with in the, in the desert. That was what God told Moses to do, to give them something tangible to believe because they were struggling so much, just like Nicodemus, with believing the things that they couldn't see. In the same way that Moses lifted the serpent in the desert so people could have something to see and then believe, it is necessary for the Son of Man to be lifted up in that way. And everyone who looks up to Him 
trusting and expectant will gain a real life, eternal life. And then he goes into John 3.16, which we all know so well. Let me use the message for that because the language is, is not nearly as poetic, but it's a whole lot more basic and I think it gives you a different perspective. He says, this is how much God loved the world. He gave His Son, His one and only Son, and this is why, so that no one need be destroyed. By believing in Him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. God didn't go to all the trouble of sending His Son merely to point an accusing finger telling the world how bad it was. But rather, He came to help. To put the world right again. And anyone who trusts in Him is acquitted. Anyone who refuses to trust in Him has long since been under the death sentence without even knowing it. And why? Because of that person's failure to believe in the one-of-a-kind Son of God when He was introduced to Him. I think that's pretty clear. Now, unfortunately, when Jesus finishes His explanation of being born again, we don't get to know at this point if Nicodemus finally understands. I'd like to think that he does. But we don't get to know for sure. But of immediate importance is that we understand. Because truth is important. We have big discussions sitting around the table at Perkins School of Theology about truth. You'd be surprised to know how many learned people have an issue with the whole notion that there is an absolute truth that applies to all of us. It's not your truth. It's not my truth. My truth's different than your truth. No. One truth. One true God. One truth. One Savior. One Lord of all. One baptism. One Holy Spirit. One truth for everyone. There has to be an ultimate. One of the most insidious ways that Satan attacks the church and the seeker alike is by presenting alternative truths that sound and feel good. For example, if it feels good to hear that all people will get to spend eternity with God in heaven and that all paths lead to Him, that one belief system or religion is as good as another and that all that matters is that we are good people, that feels good. Doesn't it? Pastor, my best friend's Muslim and he's a good person. He won't get into heaven? 
Not unless he chooses Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. See, it feels good to think that everyone gets that opportunity to get into heaven. And the opportunity is there for everyone in Jesus. But not everybody chooses Jesus, do they? The idea that all paths lead to God is called universalism. It's a false teaching. It, it teaches that there's a broad way into heaven, but we know that the way is narrow. The gate is small, the Bible says. The Bible teaches us that the only way is Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by Him. Now, a few years ago, and let me preface this next part. Because I say this, I say this out of absolute love for you, the congregation, the body of Christ, my church family. And there's absolutely no, hear this, there is absolutely no condemnation. And I'm speaking the truth to you in love. And I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. But the truth has to be spoken. And sometimes it's my job as the under-shepherd. Jesus is the shepherd. And, and I've been appointed as the under-shepherd to speak the truth. And so I'm going to. And if you get mad at me, I am so sorry. And I will tell you up front that I love you. And I hope you can forgive. A few years ago, a man by the name of William Young wrote a book that was all the rage. Young describes himself, even today, as a universalist. And his book was designed to teach an alternative Christianity that was really no Christianity at all. And the book was entitled, The Shack. And that book tickled the ears of many a Christian with its everybody gets a trophy theology. Many Christian pastors spoke out trying to protect the hearts and minds of their parishioners when this book came out. And so when the movie came out recently, all the material was out there already by many, many learned people who were grounded in, in the only true word of God, which is this right here. And they said, beware the theology of the shack. Satan is persistent. And this movie version is yet another iteration of him trying to Tickle the ears and tickle the minds of the people of God to lead them down a path. It, it's those things that have a kernel of truth in them that are so deceptive and insidious. Because they feel so good. Don't you want everybody to go to heaven? I do. You mean everybody gets in? Everybody gets a trophy? I have had people at the clinic come in and tell me, you have to see this movie, Pastor. 
It changed my life. To which I can only respond, I pray that that is not the case. We Christians are so starved for validation by the world sometimes that we're quick to embrace any and all media that claims to be faith-based or based on the Bible. Somebody comes out with something that has a, a biblical theme and we will run to the theaters and embrace it as if it is the very word of God because we want to be liked by the world. And the Bible says that's not going to happen. I get the appeal of these movies. And I want you to understand, once again, I am not bringing judgment on anyone who has gone to see this movie or read the book. I read the book, okay? But I want you to understand that this work is fiction. It's a flight of fancy. It's from Young's imagination. It contains false teaching that is heresy. And it can be dangerous to seekers who do not have a firm foundation in biblical truth. It's entertainment, folks. It was made to make money off of you, the Christian audience. It is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. See it. Enjoy it. Know that it's not truth. Just like you'd go see Harry Potter or Star Trek or any of those other movies that are great entertainment. Go see them. Laugh. Enjoy. Cry. Experience the emotions. But know that you are not seeing the truth of Jesus Christ portrayed on that screen. has nothing to do with who plays God in the movie has nothing to do with who plays Jesus. That's a smokescreen. It has to do with the content of what they are trying to pray on Christian people. And don't take my word on it either. I encourage you to do your own research whenever something like this presents itself. Others have denounced it as false. Dr. Michael Youssef, I point to him. He did a study and he identifies 13 heresies contained in the shack. And unfortunately, <laughs> the movie is very faithful to the book. If you'd like to do your own research, come see me. I'll give you the website. You can go look. Dr. Michael Yusuf, when the book came out, did a sermon, 45 minutes worth of sermon. And that uh, sermon is still on his website. And it's making a resurgence on social media because people are concerned that people will think that things like this are the gospel when they are not. And they will lead people down a wrong path. All you have to do is desire the truth and it is available to you. And if it doesn't match what's in here, then consider it for what it is. Entertainment. And throw it out if you're wanting it to change your life. Because this is the only thing that changes lives. It just is. 
We can only be born again in truth. We can only be born from above in truth. We can only be born again through Christ. Anything that leads us down a path that suggests we can get there without Jesus is false. It's destructive. Please don't let people you know venture down that path. Don't tell them not to go see the movie. Just tell them that what the content of the movie portrays is contrary to this. No matter how glittery it looks, how good it makes us feel, the glitter will fade and the feeling will too. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.